All right, guys, welcome back. We have another pivotal discussion here, and I am sitting across, I guess, the screen and the connection with uh, Jess Wendell. She is a public relations and communication strategist. Um, she just started her own agency called Maven Consulting Company, but before she started that, she actually was a part of Perfect Snacks or Perfect Bar that maybe people know it as. She was there for, I think, about like five and a half, six years. And you still, I think, work with them on the contract side. And if that's not enough, she also is a founding member and executive director with Naturally San Diego. Well, thank you for that introduction. And thank you for having me. Really excited to be here and really love your stuff. Um, I absolutely feel very lucky to have chosen a profession early on that has allowed me to do what I've done and work with the people that I have. Um, but it wasn't always like that for me. I actually thought I wanted to be in advertising um, at first. And my first internship in college was at OMD Worldwide, which is one of the biggest marketing agencies in the world. And I thought, oh my gosh, how lucky am I that I get this first firsthand look at 19 years old into the world of advertising. and after that internship, I very quickly realized that the companies and the brands that had the most money got the most eyes on them. And it was just very transactional. And of course, advertising works. It is a major, massive industry that every brand needs. But for me personally, I love people and I love stories and I love storytelling so much that I felt like there had to be something more for me to really have a hand in and make my mark on um, that had to do with telling stories about brands who deserved to be talked about and um, had compelling things to share. So I went back to school and changed my major. And I think I took like a careers test in the library and it was like, you love people, you like to write, you should be in PR. And I was like, what's PR? And next thing you know, here I am. I think we probably share a, a similarity in that where when I started in, in college, I, one of my first internships, I was working okay. in international tax strategy. And that was what I was I th thought I was going to do. Yeah. So I thought that was what I was going to do. And though I still love numbers and, and that's still part of my day to day, that every single day really wasn't like exciting me. As like a 20 year old kid, I loved the hard work and it was challenging, but I thought to myself like, is this it? Is this what I'm going to be doing all the time? And I started to yeah. fall in love with like other areas, a lot of like the front facing customer facing parts of the business and just kind of really leaning into that. And that's kind of why now I have a, like a blend of both. And I'm sure you're the same way. Like you had that original love and your brain still kind of thinks through things, maybe through like an advertising lens sometimes. And then you think, okay, mm -hmm. well, that's great. But I like the story um, side of it. I like that. And I think that at least today with brands, because there's so much noise out there that buying eyeballs is just a kind of a fleeting like point to an end. Like you, you still have to have something more resounding, something that like attaches to somebody like on a deeper level. And I think especially mm -hmm. consumers, be that you know millennials or, or Gen Z, like they are looking for something deeper than the surface great product because a great product is to me, I think always the entry fee just to get in to compete at all. Like there's so many good, Absolutely. good and great products, but like what's past that? What, what does actually make you excited and want to purchase that and also tell other people about it? Absolutely. I think to your point, having had that background in 
at the accounting firms, I'm sure, you know, informed so much of what you do today. And it's like nice to have both and you're able to bring, you know, your, your expertise from that. And I feel the same way. I think I, I look at things with a marketing lens, um, as opposed to maybe a traditional PR lens, because I've always had a passion of the, in the marketing side and the, the business acumen and understanding the different roles and functions of the company to understand how that can inform a PR and storytelling communications plan and strategy, but also how the PR and communications have to ladder up to everything else in the organization. And so if you don't understand those other elements of the business, and I'm sure with what you do as well in working with brands, you can't do your job to the fullest extent. So I think having a well-rounded approach and consistently be learning about these the other areas um, can only benefit whatever it is that you specialize in. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the um, video that you are a new business owner, um, and that might seem insane to a lot of people, but you, know, you decided to open up your own business and during this kind of uncertain time. And, and I've always said like, entrepreneurs, at least purebred entrepreneurs, like they thrive in uncertainty. They thrive in this like chaos. And that so confuses true. a lot of that confuses a lot of people on the on the opposite spectrum because they're like, you know, oh, all the stuff that I'm used to having as security and comfort is being stripped away where maybe you and mm -hmm. I are looking at this like, wow, look at all the opportunity out there. Like the world is changing. Everything's changing. Like I want to plant my flag into as much things as possible. So I'm kind of curious because I, I can't imagine that, you know, a lot of people maybe listening is, did start a business as well. Like what went through your mind? Like uh, that was like, Hey, this is my year. I'm going to do this. So many things. Um, the devil on my shoulder, one, the angel was like, stay comfortable. It's, it's wonderful. Like you're happy. And the devil was like, get after it. You got this. Um, but no, I agree. I think a crisis is the best time for change. And I think I had been at Perfect Snacks for six years and quite honestly, I knew that I would never have an experience like that again. And so I knew for me, the next step um, had to be something so immensely different um, because I didn't want to have, you know, another experience that I was going to, you know, hope was exactly like that. Or, you know, that, that brand to me is such a unicorn and I had so much fun growing it and shaping it to be what it was. Um, and I, I say now that the team that's taken over for me, um, they have a well-oiled machine. I mean, this, this brand has come such a long way in terms of perception and reputation in the natural products industry, but also amongst, you know, everyday consumers. And I feel that they're very much set up for success. So I thought, okay, you know, I think my job here is done and what can I do to help other brands in a similar stage of life um, who really deserve to be talked about? And so being part of Naturally San Diego really helped me get connected to people and, and leaders of brands who were in a similar situation where they didn't really know where to turn for PR. And it kind of felt like an all or nothing mindset where it them saying, oh, we don't need PR right now, or we need PR, but we're just not sure what we need. We're just going to, you know, jump and go to an agency. And I, I think now it's like, whether you think you're doing PR or you're not, you have PR. If you have any relationship with any audience or group or person that matters to your business, um, you're doing PR. You just might not have a handle on it. And so I, I basically just 
I didn't quite know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what this was going to be, but I just knew that I loved sharing my insights and my understanding of what brands could do to elevate themselves. Um, and I knew I wanted to share that with as many people as possible. So I didn't become a PR agency for a reason. Um, I don't want to go in and do everything soup to nuts for them. Um, and then, you know, potentially not work with them for more than six months and then they're back to square one. I wanted to create a sustainable solution like I did with Perfect Bar. I really do feel, sorry, I'm OG Perfect Bar. Yeah. I'm still not in the perfect tax <laughs> realm. Um, but I didn't want, I didn't want a one and done. I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave brands um, hanging on maybe what they've experienced in the past where they don't own their strategy and they don't own their relationships with these key stakeholders. And so I've been for the past four months um, trying to build this out and I feel like I'm building a bridge as I'm crossing it. It's been the hardest work I've ever done. I don't know what rose colored glasses I was wearing when I, when I decided to do this, but it's also been the most fulfilling and the most fun. And I feel just, I feel so lucky to have the network that I have to be able to build this the way that I want to. And I just really hope that it, it achieves what I'm hoping for, which is, you know, help as many brands as possible and make PR accessible and understandable. It's a little bit this, it's a, it's a bit of a mystery still, I think, to so many people. And I like the approach that you take in terms of like, kind of, I don't want to say pulling back the curtain a little bit, but like showing what you're doing and not necessarily telling people that this is like asymmetric information where like, you're going to have to keep hiring me until I, until we stop, right. or you want to stop doing your business, you know, and, and that's something that I've always tried to champion and why I create so much content as well is like, I want to give away as much as possible because there is so much more to this all in terms of trust and just relationship and just overall sure. just like giving back to, um, you know, the, the industry. I don't want to say that like, that I have this like utilitarian thought of like, I'm trying to create the better world, but like I do in a way, like try to give back because I feel like the industry has given me so much. So it just kind of right. back and forth. I want to do that. But I know a lot of service providers, they're not necessarily like that. They like to be very secretive and they like to be very much like, you got to pay for my secret sauce and you have to really just like always pay me to do these things. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing, but that to your point, like is not sustainable long-term. Like there's going to be a come a time when they're going to need to either shift out of the relationship or even adjust the relationship in a different way. And for you not to be able to transition that over is a detriment to you and, and something that is going to kind of hurt you from like people hiring you over time because those people tell 10 people and, you know, like the whole word of mouth type of a situation where you want to leave whatever situation uh, better than when you found it, I guess is, is kind of the way to think about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, I'm in a unique situation because I've been on both sides of the, the table. So I was at a PR agency for seven years straight out of college. And I, you know, was working with up to a dozen brands at a time, just burning and churning, trying to get, you know, this coverage because that's what everyone wanted. And I didn't understand the brand side. I didn't understand what the brand's needs and wants were. And until I went in and worked with a number of PR agencies while at Perfect Snacks before we took it in-house, I felt the pain of being on the brand side and feeling like you don't have the control or the, um, the thorough understanding of what's, what's happening. And I just think that 
PR really is personal and the most passionate and informed people are on the brand side. And so for them, you know, they don't need to necessarily be the ones executing, but they should at least have a really strong hand in the work that's being done so that when a relationship ends, because most oftentimes relationships don't last forever um, from a service provider and a brand standpoint, if they do, that's a beautiful thing. Um, but you know, when that ends, you don't, you don't want ever all the work that you've put in and all the effort that you've done and the resources that have been spent to be for nothing. And so honestly, what drives me is this idea of how do we make this sustainable? How do we make PR not something that has as much turnover and instead the brand has such a strong hold on it that it doesn't matter who comes in to facilitate it or help them take it to the next level. They own, you know, 75% of it. Um, because I just think it's been so separate up until this point. And maybe, you know, I'm generalizing, but but I just think there's been a, a very clear defined line between PR efforts and then marketing and the rest of the business from even like R&D and operations. All those things matter so much. And so if the brand can can hang on to that, I do think that it might be the secret sauce. I want to kind of piggyback off that a little bit and just kind of talk about misconceptions, misunderstandings, like dated views of like what uh, PR is. And what I'll say is this is something that comes up a lot of times in the strategic map that I'm working on, on kind of a broader, uh, higher level is that mm -hmm. when you get to communication strategy or you get to public relations, sometimes you, you use the word PR and then people just default to like press releases. That's like what it is. And they think, well, what the heck do I need press releases for? We have social media and all these other things like that. And that's when you start to realize like the misunderstanding or just people not really realizing what actually like public relations or um, you know, communication strategy, all those types of things like roll into. I think they just have a, maybe an old dated misconception. I don't know what where it came sure. from or why, but maybe it's <gasps> the short form of press releases. PR, like for whatever reason, maybe they're just confusing mm -hmm, it and just mm -hmm. like been that's perpetuated over time. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think um, I may have said this to you when we talked earlier that I think PR has done a really bad job of PRing itself. <laughs> you know, no one knows what it is. And, and as an industry, I, I still see, you know, these award-winning agencies having to post a LinkedIn and explain the definition of PR. And it's like, wow, we are still really unclear about what this is, yet it's seems to be such an integral part of every organization. And I actually think that PR should be changed modern day to media, MC instead of PR because everyone just thinks it's media coverage, right? Anyone that I talk to for the first time, that is what they care about. That is what to them success looks like, whether that stemmed from an ego place where it's like, I just wanna see my, my brand name and lights. I wanna be on the front of a magazine cover or if it's just what they've been trained to see as success where, a brand who gets consistent media coverage also in turn is growing and scaling their business. But I think that what we need to do is go back to the basics and just say, you know, PR to me is you have to play the long game. It is in and of itself relations with your publics and knowing who those people are that matter to your business including your employees, your customers, your investors, your retailers, that four of those groups are not even media. Media is just one of those groups. 
And so understanding who they are and why they, they care about you and what they need from you, it's always a, a mutually beneficial relationship. So it's a give and take, which is why just sending your news out to women's health does nothing for them. Um, they want to know, you know, wh why does our audience care? What, what's in it for us? And why should we even listen to you and like you? Um, so it's definitely, it's fostering just like any relationship is. I mean, you don't see someone on the street that you're like, I really, you know, want to be their friend. And you go up to them and say, can we be friends? Like, do you want to come to my birthday party? No, you don't do that. You have to warm them up. You have to show value. You have to show them why they should be your friend. Um, they, I just think that there's such an instant gratification mindset these days. Um, you know, whether it's the prime mentality that we have where you can order something and it shows up in 15 minutes. Um, or just, I think paid ads, you know, just the increase of, of prominence there, it's instant gratification. You post something and within five seconds, it starts getting clicks to your website. That is unfortunately just not the way that, that PR works. And for good reason, the trust that's there for the coverage you're getting in media or the way that your employees are talking about you in, you know, a professional networking group like Naturally San Diego, that takes time to earn that trust. It takes time to earn that loyalty. And it's not something that can happen just because you want it to. And so I think that's probably a misconception is just this idea that media coverage is the end all be all and getting it should happen if you have a, have a good product or a good story to tell. It's like not the groundwork. I always mention to clients around this like, concept of like a, the barbell strategy. And, and for whatever reason, uh, like you said, there's so many different, um, I guess, societal things or whatever that we're, we're so far leaning into this like transactional quick, you know, type of mentality and yeah. there's all the tools available to us to do that you know, with marketing. Like you said, I mean, with Facebook and stuff, you see those things with, uh, within the seconds of like how they're performing and you can change those things as you're going. Now that's all great. And, and that's, you know, you're seeing the transactions roll through, but like, Where's on the other side of the barbell, like the brand, the reputation, like how are you going to build this broader mm -hmm. um, kind of um, you know, brand that actually people want to be attached to over just buying a simple good? And the barbell strategy is really like, you know, anybody listening, so obviously working out, if you put too much weight on one side, not on another, and you try to pick it up, it just, it just topples over. I, I mean, love that analogy. Yeah. So you have to kind of think about things in both ways. Like, yeah, there both tools are great, but you can't just go all in on one and, and not think about the other one. And, and what you're kind of mentioning is a lot around just people forgetting about the long game, building that brand, building loyalty, building a lot of those things that um, ultimately are going to create a more sustainable uh, business that's going to continue on over just, I'm going to try to build this thing up on a sales, top end sales as quick as possible. And you know, to your point around why people don't care is like, cause they've seen that so many different times, so many different ways over that it's become, mm -hmm. um, just kind of numb to it, I guess is like people are numb to these, these high flying, just transactional brands. There's very few brands that are special that you look at and you go, wow, there's something, there's something they're doing that I feel either like attached or emotional to, or, or something. And, and those are the brands that ultimately get talked about time and time and time again, because people are so excited, I think, to, just witness those brands because you, it does, there's few, I guess, brands that you take a second to stop and think about it. And 
just to kind of relate this to your story, like with Perfect Bar, Perfect Snacks, like if somebody was to read the story, the founding story, and just kind of how that got built, um, if it doesn't touch somebody, I don't know how what needs to touch you. You know what I mean? Like that's one of those stories where like <laughs> as an entrepreneur, especially anybody within food and beverage entrepreneurship, if they can't read that story and be like, wow, this is the grind that you have to go through to be able to be successful. Sure. Like, I think that's one of those like stories that I think just is more like resonates with people over just if, if you would have wrote a bunch of stuff about how we optimize our Facebook ads. And I think it's such a good point because yeah, it is, it's the functional versus emotional offering and the functional is what really comes through in more performance marketing and even your, your owned channels. It's like, this is what we need you to know about our product or even about our brand, whether where we source our ingredients from or where we give back to charity. It's like, that's still to me really functional, but it is much more of an art than a science to have that, emo that emotional offering. And yes, Perfect Snacks has the best story and something that I truly, you know, can talk about in any situation, in any circumstance situation, but it's much harder to keep someone's attention past the point of those functional offerings to even get that story across. And so that I think is where the true value of PR comes in because you need the time to share those extra elements about the brand beyond the functional offering. And that goes back to building relationships with people because again, if you run up to someone on the side of the street, how much time do you really have to make an impression on them? If you're sitting with them at coffee, um, you have much more time to share that story and get their buy-in. And, and I can't tell you how many times I had been pitching editors for years. And it wasn't until they sat on the phone with Bill and Lee that they their jaws are on the ground and just, oh my God, I cannot believe this story. And I'm like, I know, right? I've been trying to tell you how wild it is for years. And and really the difficult part is, is you have to be strategic in how you, you get those relationships in place so that your emotional offerings, once you establish what those are, can get across effectively, right? So it's not something that can be done overnight. And somebody on Facebook who's targeted with your ads, um, they're not, your, your family story isn't what's going to sell product. And so there are very few places to get that message across. Um, and to have that attentive audience. And so I think that's really where you have to do the work in the relationship um, with these different stakeholder groups and get creative on how you want to present the why behind your brand. I have a, a feeling about this, but I want to ask you this question. Um, in terms of just getting that story across and being able to tell that and actually it being, I guess, told a lot more over the last like probably two or three or even four years of perfect snacks or perfect bar. Like, do you think that had some benefit to getting in front of like Mondelez and like, or just any buyer and being like, this, this is special because I guess circling back to whatever, it's like the great product that's the transactional, the functional element of that is can be copied very easily. Now the, the stuff you're talking about is, is special. It's, it's unique. It's not something where somebody can go and go like, Oh, I'm going to go copy this exact story. It's, it still wouldn't be authentic. Um, so I guess maybe I already answered the question, the question for you, I already <laughs> told you what, I, what I think, but I'm just curious if you think, or if you guys talked about that internally as like, Oh, this was something that maybe brought this to the finish line. Yeah. I, I think you are exactly right in the, 
in the competition and replicating products. Um, You know, tomorrow, another brand can come out that has 10 times better branding than you, cleaner ingredients, half the price. I mean, that can happen overnight. And we saw it. I mean, Perfect, Perfect Snacks was the only refrigerated bar in the market for close to 10 years. And that in and of itself um, is a novelty because typically other products like yours will come to market a lot sooner. But we had built such a strong brand reputation and brand equity amongst consumers that that loyalty was unwavering. And so I think that's what it goes back to. And when we talk about Mondelez, it's if if the product were to um, run its course with somebody, what would keep them around? Or, you know, God forbid, we never did, but God forbid something happened where you had to, you know, take your product off the shelves. And I don't like to use the R word. I think it's like bad juju. Um, um, But if that were to happen, you know, the, the five media contacts that are, that would write a scathing article about your brand um, because you know, you had this misstep, probably wouldn't write that article if they had a relationship with you and you called them up and said, hey, this is actually what happened. Can we provide you with a statement? Same thing with your customers. They are going to have your back and be your advocates um, through thick and thin. And I do think that that is a major selling point for someone like Mondelez or any strategic brand and, you know, understanding and measuring what is that consumer loyalty and trust um, it's not tangible. And so it's really hard to measure unlike performance ads or even, you know, engagement on social, it's a lot more difficult to understand how that is going to move the needle for your business. And it's one of those things that I I think helps brands become a household name and it, it creates moments and experiences that, that people remember far beyond the product being in their fridge. It's, it's part of their lifestyle. It's part of their routine. It's a brand that they want to follow on social media. I don't follow brands on social media unless I like the brand and I feel that they're bringing value to me. If I'm already buying their product from Sprouts or Trader Joe's, why would I need to follow them? There has to be something more. Just that line, how I guess short that is in terms of like the connection of you know some of the public relations or communications to even the importance of, of having those stories, not only for like, you know, helping the, the downside exposure, the risk exposure, but just like also the amplification of the story to, to get out there to other people is, is important. And a lot of people, I don't think connect the dots as much as they should in terms of what you're doing to that, getting that name out there, getting that story out there. And that might be the difference between an investor group or, um, a strategic or something, even knowing anything about the story or something behind the, this, the product, because they, anybody can look at the IRI or the Nielsen reports and see the velocities and go, oh, this is a high flying product. Maybe we need to take a look at it. But if there's no story mm-hmm. behind that, it just goes back to the, oh, it's just another product. I could probably make it in my own factory for cheaper and better than what they could do it. So why am I buying this thing? And, and, and I just like that connection. Cause I think it's something that maybe people that maybe are financially minded or, or have, I don't want to say the, the marketing or the storytelling side of their brain, like they might not make the connection as easy to go like, Oh, this is important because of that reason. They might just be thinking, I'm trying to get sales up as quick as possible because I want to sell the business, but not remembering the, the other side it's of it. Both. 
Yeah. And I want to um, ask you a few questions. I know like with CPG brands in general, there's a lot of like, at least early on, there's two ways, either one, they're venture funded or they have a lot of backing or the other one, they're bootstrapped and mm -hmm. interested to hear if like there's some like strategies or tactics that these brands are like completely missing on and they should be like focusing on in, in 2021. Well, I think one of the most beautiful things about PR is that it's earned. If I may say so myself, the most beautiful things, um, it's earned. And I, I like to use the label earned media because I think, again, PR is just this big mystery to most people. But when I clearly say paid, owned, and earned, I think that helps us to better identify what goes where. And so if a brand is bootstrapped, and this is, it goes back to really my goal of making PR accessible is like, you don't have to have money in the bank to have a good PR campaign. You don't. I think the retainers for agencies may make people feel that they need to have money in the bank. But at the end of the day, your PR efforts do not need to be funded. Um, you might need to have some samples, but the misconception is that unless we are at a certain point, let's call it $20 million in revenue, we can't even touch PR. We can't, we can't even go there. And my suggestion would be the first thing you need to do. I mean, I'd say that there's like three things. It's like one is identify who the, the, stakeholders, I say that the people or the groups are that matter most to your brand. Um, I listed them a few earlier. Who are those people? Understand what is their need? What is their pain point that you solve similar to just marketing, but we're talking more B2B. Um, media is they need to bring news that's interesting and useful to their audience. That's the example for media influencers blurred line between paid and earned, but they want products that fit within their lifestyle and their content theme, but they also want to get paid sometimes. Um, you really have to identify what is their need and why you are relevant to show up for that need. And then really the, the, the communications aspect is everything, right? It's how are you conveying your, your purpose of showing up for them um, to these various groups. And the way that you talk to a, a, a buyer or a broker is very different than the way that you talk to your employees, very different than you talk to an influencer. So treating a PR strategy or a corporate communications plan um, as like one size fits all is just not the case. And you might be at a stage in your company where your retailer relations matter more than your employee relations and your media relations might be the first step before influencers. So understanding, you know, why, why are these people important to us right now? And how is that going to help our business in the stage that we're in? Not what are we seeing everyone else do? Um, but then I have this really silly acronym that I came up with because I felt like a broken record saying it all the time. Um, but it's, Rest, R-E-S-T, rest means nothing, but the letters mean something. Um, in terms of just figuring out how to show up in these stakeholder groups or how to, how to communicate to them and get them to share with their audience or get them to speak highly of you. You had mentioned earlier, you know, that 
that investor group that sees the data on one side, but then they hear in, you know, their morning meeting, someone talking about a brand and this really cool activation they did a really cool story. That's the PR side of it. And so rest is essentially relevancy. Um, why are you talking to this person, this group? Like what room do you have to show up? An example could be they cover nutrition or they cover fitness for women's health. E is excellence. Um, why do you as the brand have the right or the credibility to show up for them? Because they're going to want to know that. Um, S is significance. So why should they care? Why does their audience need to know about this? What, what does it matter in the grand scheme of society right now? Um, so, you know, I've been sending out a lot of pitches around immunity in COVID right now because it's what's relevant and, um, you know, not just relevant to that person, but relevant to their audience. It's, it's significant in terms of what's happening in society. And then T is timely. So it's why now? Like, yeah. why are you sharing this now? Because there has to be a sense of urgency in order for that person who you want to share your news to whomever, you know, it is that they're talking to, why should they feel the urge to do so now? My silly, yeah, I, silly little acronym. No, I, I, I like the acronym because um, I'm like a jargonator anyways. Like I'm just one of those people that's like acronyms and jargon all day long. So, so for me, at least what you were mentioning in terms of the acronym it, if somebody would look at it through that lens, they would then not necessarily have a lot of the the bad mouthing of certain tactics or strategies with marketing. Like, so as an example, like when you're talking about influencers and maybe reaching out in influencer marketing, there's a lot of negative around that because you know they they go out and find somebody, they don't look at them as a fit, they don't explain anything, they don't give them any ground rules, they don't you know there's no connection to it, there's nothing going on there. But then they have them go out and do this and then they don't produce any sales and they go, it's the fault of influencer marketing. It's not all the stuff that I totally. did on my side to actually match, uh -huh. match that up. And if they would look at it through the lens of what you're talking, that could be you know, so many other things, strategic partnerships of just corporate side things or whatever it, it is. Like everything, if they, yeah. If they go through that steps and they go, does this meet the threshold of these things for our business? Then, and it doesn't work out, that's a whole different subject, but I think nobody's even meeting those thresholds at all of, of what you're mentioning with the acronym. It's just like, Absolutely. oh, I know that I have to do this because um, X brand's doing this or Y brand's doing this, and I have to be just like them. They don't really know why that was special, that brand did something special. They just think, well, I need to replicate it because I'm going to fall behind if I don't. Absolutely. And I think when I was at my PR agency, it was like, results, 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 the anything that came before that did not matter. And I saw, you know, how bad of a habit you could get in by focusing on that. And if you're looking at earned paid and me and earned paid and owned media, like I said, paid and owned, those results are all that matters. Um, but with earned, it's so much about how you're going about it. And I have examples on examples on examples of brands that I've talked to that say, we need this. And I say, why? Why do you need that? Well, because we need, because this is what's happening over here. And I say, okay, so how do you think that result is going to fuel what needs to happen over here? Because from what I'm hearing, you might need to do like a couponing campaign in that region as opposed to getting national press coverage. 
let's maybe talk about how we do that. And, you know, maybe we build a campaign that serves the purpose of your primary goal and the media would just be a bonus or the influencers would just be a bonus. Um, let's do something that has a little bit more legs to stand on so that we're not, we're not putting all of our eggs in one basket of if this doesn't work, then it's a failure. It's, it should be a rising tide lifts all boats and everything is working towards that goal as an ecosystem. And so I think a lot of times it's, oh, that didn't work because we actually didn't even have a plan in place to go after it. We just thought we, we need it. We want it. Let's, you know, do the bare minimum that we possibly can do just to get that result. And then I always say that my, my poor clients, because I didn't know any better when I was like 24, um, would just end up with a stack of magazines on their lap at the end of six months. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, our contract's up so long hope everything goes well. And they're like, well, you know, what do I do with this? And it's like, there just wasn't the, the emphasis on strategy and planning. And back then I just didn't understand the marketing side of things and how the rest of the business was working. So I wasn't able to ladder the PR plan up to that. And I am, I feel as though now I can, and it's made all the difference. The evolution of just understanding more of the of the big picture if you're stuck in your kind of silo you're you think you're doing you think you're doing the right thing but then if you don't really pull back i guess and zoom out and realize that how there's all these interlinkages together that maybe what you were doing actually hurt the business over um help the business and that i think that comes with with experience and time and just like having the opportunity to be in a lot of like cross functional or or different rooms that just have so many different expertise or, or just opinions in there that you start to realize like, oh, what I did here actually hits, you know, even on the accounting side or something like that. You're like, oh, I didn't really realize how that actually, you know, funnels down into this or, or that. And when you start to like, think about that, then it becomes, um, I think, a much more strong strategy or much more strong like service that you're providing because you aren't just looking at it from this one particular area. And I guess when I'm explaining this to people like, for myself, like what I'm doing, I always use like the performance marketing and, and I feel like we've been talking a lot down on those guys and I, or girls. I, I feel bad that we keep doing that, but like they look at it and they're like, if you want them to turn on the sales, um, they can do that. But what if they're only looking at it from that perspective, are they actually doing the business the right? Like, are they bringing in the right customers? Are they bringing in profitable customers? Are they doing any of those things? Because they're only like they're uh, agenda is one thing and, and just to kind of roll in that way where you have to kind of have somebody that's able to understand when you turn on that valve or that, you know, pull that lever, what is that doing to the rest of the business? And if you can't understand that, mm -hmm. then it's, it's hard for that specialist to really ever progress, I think, because you have to understand, be more of a generalist. And, I, and it's kind of like a renaissance thing because we have been taught to like be super specialized, but I feel like generalization is, is making a comeback, I guess. I hope, <laughs> at least I hope, because that's where, where I'm kind of positioned at. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, that, that's what you and I had talked about is like really wrapping your arms around the business and not just your specialty. And I truly think that consultants have a bad rap. I have heard it firsthand. They're like, oh, you're a consultant. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of context there. I'm a consultant because I'm not trying to stick around and hold your hand for the next five years, I want to come in, do a job really well so that you don't need me anymore, or you need me at a much more minimal, minimal rate. Um, and I just think that, yeah, you kind of have to have 
a line of sight into all these different areas. And don't get me wrong, I think that the ecosystem of paid performance marketing, owned social creative um, influencers and PR, they have to be there. You cannot, your barbell analogy, like you cannot just have one side of the coin. I think at different life stages, different priorities are important. Um, and on resources too, right? Like you don't want to just spend all your money in one area and then say, okay, well now what do we do? We have, we have no more resources, our budget's top for the year. Um, that's why I think having that assessment from someone or, or a team that understands how the value of each of those different areas can assess, okay, we're going to, I'll tell, I'll tell brands all day long, you are not ready for a media relations campaign. We can figure out your communication strategy because that's going to be absolutely beneficial to you. But I don't, I think there are some things that need to be put in place before we you're ready to do any outreach. I think on that note, I'm going to, I'm going to end the video because I feel like that was a good final note because people definitely need to uh, sometimes realize that point. And if you have somebody that you're hiring uh, on the service provider and they're willing to tell you something that you don't need, like, you know, that's somebody you need to keep around because a lot of times they'll, uh, you get a lot of people that are just trying to, to, um, I don't want to say make the invoices beefy. I don't know. That's probably a bad way to look at that, but just yeah, like, you know well, what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to sell, you know, sell themselves no matter what, whether yeah. it's right or wrong. And again, having a, a brand and a team understand why they need something to me is so important because it's not good for anyone. It's not going to be a, a good outcome for either party. If you go into something that's not actually right or ready for you. Um, but it's hard. I mean, being a new business owner, it's very hard to turn down business, but I, I know that in doing so, it's going to help me be more, um, you know, helpful and, and, and help the brands that actually will benefit from this in the time that we work together. Um, and my hope is that, you know, I want to expand my network to talk to people like you, who I say, you know, I'm not a fit for you right now, but here's what I do think you need. And here's who you need to talk to. And so let this be an open call for any other, you know, service providers that I would, I would love to have a network of people that I can refer to for brands that are in different stages or have different needs. Every brand is so different. And so, um, it's not that PR isn't right for you. It's just what type and to what extent at the stage that you're in and the goals that you have. Definitely. Well, if people want to follow you, Jess, or, or get connected with your company, how could they do that? I think LinkedIn, I've been all about lately. It's how yeah. you and I connected. Um, so honestly, just find me on LinkedIn, Jess Wendell. And also I have a, a business page on there, Maven Consulting Co. So yeah, would love to, to chat with anyone and just, yeah, always, always open to giving insight and advice. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions. So, um, yeah, happy to do so and just really appreciate the conversation.